Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Church and State. This is episode 29, and um, we're calling this episode day 536 of Rhode Island's State of Emergency. Uh, That can't be accurate. Accurate. It's been since March 9th, and we're recording this on um, uh, Friday. Oh, boy. What's today's date? Oh, yeah. The 27th. 27th. You lost a whole week somehow. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we're um, uh, we're examining uh, and taking a look at, um, you know, I, a few things. So I, I, I know this has been a big week for you. You've had a lot of media uh, interviews and and um, you know, print articles written about the state of emergency and, and the re- Republican response to it and your response in particular. So maybe we'll start with that. Um, tell us, wh- what kind of attention um, was this issue getting this week? Um, I, I, on the radio, there was uh, Matt Allen, um, Dan York, there was uh, Mike Stenhouse's show. Then there and was now the, there's David Delacruz. Yes, the uh, the uh, the podcaster, right? Yeah. And then there was uh, Boston Globe, the Providence Journal picked up on it and, and quoted you. But, but um, maybe the the Boston Globe kind of was the first one from what I remember. They captured the tweet that you put up that said, before the ink is dry on McKee's new state of emergency, you said, I call on my colleagues in the General Assembly to reconvene and terminate his order by concurrent resolution. So after you tweeted that, uh, the Senate president contacted so you. So who did said, I We're call out first? <laughs> my colleagues. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did. Why do and you mention that? The governor. Uh, well, because there was a personality, radio personality said that uh, I should be calling up my colleagues when I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so really the legislature, as I said, before the ink was dry, I was calling on them to come back and reconvene because um, there were some, we passed in the budget that the governor's executive authority would end on September 1st. And if he needed a continuation of those specific areas that we granted him in order to, you know, for public safety, um, and, and some other areas of 13, we could have easily done that. Mm-hmm. I talked to colleagues in the Senate and they said, yep, we, we could have come back one or two days and just passed, um, whatever was necessary. And do you mean things like, you know, a, a mask mandate or something like that? Or no, it would have been, of- no, cause that wasn't in the, uh, that wasn't in the executive order. Otherwise, okay. he would have asserted that authority without issuing a new state oh, of emergency. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and you know what? I will get a link to the the budget, the mm-hmm. article, so because it's like section E of like uh, it's a subsection. It's deep into the budget. It's deep right, into the budget. Right. It's like thirteen areas in which he could continue to exercise. Oh, his okay. That would be authority. helpful for people to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, the Senate Republicans put out a press release and, um, it was really calling on the governor to end the state of emergency so that we could return back to, uh, democratic norms, which you, as you stated, the title of our episode is day 536. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, well over a year and a half mm-hmm. where Rhode Island's been in this state of emergency. Uh, now just to kind of play devil's advocate, what, um, what's the argument against it? 
or maybe I'll take the position of, don't you think we need a state of emergency with Delta and uh, with the increases in cases and hospitalizations and such? Yeah. Well, we always want to be careful um, because we are, there is a virus that is still here with us and it's never going to go away. According mm -hmm. to the physicians that I speak to anyway, this will be with us forever. It's some, it will mutate. There will be another variant and we need to learn to live with the virus mm. and the legislature and the executive branch can work together. If I could interject yeah, for a minute, do you, do you suspect that the, uh, the, those who want the state of emergency are hopeful that we will crush COVID, that it will no longer be with us, that whether it's through the vaccine and the masking yeah. mm -hmm. or the lockdowns or social distancing, that we will get to a point where COVID has been, um, uh, has gone extinct, that it has been eradicated in the same way that we successfully beat back smallpox? Yes. Yeah. That's have, the hope. I have heard from people that if they, if everyone would just get vaccinated. Okay. And now, you know, when I watch CNN or listen to Dr. Fauci he says, you know, even if you're vaccinated, you can still get, um, COVID. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again, talking with physicians, this is going to be with us forever. It's going to, you know, the, the only example that I can give is, you know, we have the flu every year and there are different strains and the vaccine tries to identify the strain that will be prevalent that mm -hmm. year. Um, so similar with COVID, it will be with us forever. Okay. Um, just to quote a couple of the other articles, the Providence Journal uh, wrote it, uh, quoted your caucus and said, it's time to stop this executive runaway train. And for the elected senators and representatives who talk to their constituents on a daily basis to decide whether to enact any new policies related to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, executive runaway train, is that what you feel that this governor has become? 536 days. Well, I mean, in fairness, he was, he didn't start this on day one. In fairness, one. he didn't, was, but uh, on September 1st, he could have let um, those powers end. Mm -hmm. And he, what he did was, it wasn't, I'm going to be very clear. This was not about the Delta variant. He said it was, but he also said the governor said it was an end around, which I think the term is end run, even though English is my second language, um, around the legislature, mm -hmm. around um, the school committee specifically in Gloucester, because he had said that all school committees would have to adopt a policy about masks for their students. And most of the cities and towns adopted mask mandates for their students. But Gloucester was one of a few schools that decided to let the parents decide. Now, mind you, Gloucester, and is, is very different from other parts of the state in that we have a smaller population, you know, mm -hmm. like we're not Providence, we're not as highly populated. And they built a, a, a brand new school that's Giant, gigantic. Gigantic. Uh, the, I remember when you were campaigning, that was one of the big things that people were like, did we need this giant school? We yeah. have all these empty classrooms empty and empty classrooms. space. And exactly. They were trying to get students from other districts maybe to come in. So it became quite a quite it's an true. issue. It's true. But it actually would be perfect in a time where there's a pandemic and you do want to start you spreading could socially distance. Right. You could do stable pods. And so what I say is it's not a one size fits all approach. We're a small state, but we are still very diverse. Mm -hmm. And so what works for Gloucester may not work for Providence. And so what happened is 
the governor did not like the decision that he saw Gloucester making. And so he said, okay, new state of emergency. I'm implementing a mask mandate. Hmm. Is that how government works? Hmm. Regardless of how you feel about the mask mandate, you, no person should have that kind of authority to say, well, I don't like your decision. So I'm going to implement a state of emergency and take that decision-making authority away from you. Those are elected officials. And according to the news reports by multiple agencies, the over, there was overwhelming support for the school committee's decision. So if you disagree on election day, you can vote for someone else. Right. Right. We, we have an electoral process that's supposed to, to solve this and make sure that they, whether it's a school committee or at the state legislature that, that, uh, you're being represented well. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to another one. There was, um, you had the Dan York interview, which might've been my favorite one because that was, uh, <laughs> that was contentious. Like you guys really went at it. I felt like, uh, it was like a knife fight where there was a lot of pushing and shoving and, uh, but anyways, it, here's, he really you took to make it sound more interesting than it was. No, it was interesting. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is, this is a tough interview, but you held your own. Like I, I didn't see you back up at all. Uh, and I would encourage people to check it out. It was Dan York's, um, uh, from WPRO. And uh, I think it was on Wednesday. Yeah. We can Wednesday. put a link on right up to it, um, to the three interviews if you want. Yeah. But it, that, that was uh, a good interview. Now he challenged, uh, some of the public statements that are, that have come out, out of the, uh, Senate president and the speaker. Mm -hmm. Um, he, um, uh, he called out the statement and where it said, uh, they met with the governor. This is what, their words. They said they met with the governor earlier Thursday afternoon. This was last week when he made no mention of reconvening the general assembly but only said that he was exploring declaring another state of emergency related to the Delta variant. Uh, they said they wished the governor had been more forthright, quote unquote, forthright in their conversations. Now, York uh, took took to issue that statement and said that's that's not yeah, truthful. I use that statement because he said um, he was he was questioning whether or not where the, the blame lay mm -hmm. lies. And it's true because the governor came out and put out this declaration and then immediately afterwards the senate president and the speaker said we just met with him mm -hmm. and he made no mention of this so they were blindsided they felt blindsided yeah by it. okay and so i guess um the uh mr york of uh what's the dan york show right he was like well there was he does a... not like it when people call him mr york really like, call me dan i'm dan oh yeah. okay dan and uh, so anyways, he's like, well, there was a private conversation. If you just knew the background, well, I, you know, maybe he's privy to some conversations that I just don't know about, but mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case. I think that they were being honest and saying, you know, we did have a conversation right. and he did mention that maybe in the future. York's point was that the general assembly doesn't want to reconvene that they want the governor to have to make these decisions. And in a sense, they don't have to deal with all these questions and the controversy, you know, mask or vaccine or all that stuff. They just wanted to, uh, to let the, uh, the, the governor do it. Mm -hmm. So it just sounds like some, he said, she said, you know, who, who's really behind this, um, right. uh, who, who's yeah. to blame. And he took you to task and said, why, you know, why are you attacking the governor? When you should be when i did attack the governor and i called out my colleagues immediately the first thing in my head first I did, tweet 
As soon as the governor came out with that state of emergency, new state of emergency, the first thing I did wasn't criticize the governor. The first thing I did was criticize my colleagues and say, let us meet concurrent resolution and the executive power. So that's not exactly accurate on Dan's part, but um, because I called out both. Okay. Um, let's move on to your petition. So you had uh, Friday night of a week ago, you started a petition asking Rhode Islanders from around the state to to join with you and and uh, objecting to the state of emergency and asking for the uh, General Assembly to reconvene and, and um, by concurrent resolution, get back to work. Yeah. And uh, how's that going? How did it go Friday night? Well, over the weekend, we got 2,000 signatures, and I think that was pretty good because there was that um, tropical storm, Henry or Henri, and it was a total dud. But you know, people are paying attention to mm-hmm. the weather and you know whatever else they're doing on a rainy day. But we, we were able to gather over 2,000 signatures. I think we're about 3,000 now. And wh- why I did that was because I was receiving so many phone calls from people and emails um, even messages from my office and they want to know what they can do. And I said, well, you know, let's petition our, our government. Let's, let's gather enough signatures. My hope is to gather 5,000 to present to, as I said on social media, to the Senate president, to the speaker and to, um, the governor, to leadership. And so that's what we're doing uh, now. So if you haven't yet signed the petition and you'd like to, you can go to my website, super easy jessica4ri.com forward slash petition. Mm-hmm. And they can sign that petition right there. And they can share it. And it's on social media. I think it's on Twitter as well. Yep. You kind of put it everywhere. What's your goal with that eventually uh, to get, is there a number that you'd like to see? 5,000. By the uh, by the weekend or, or just 5,000 feels like a good number to present? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And what, what number did you say you're at right now? Um, th- just about 3,000. <clears throat> okay. About three thousand. All right, so and we you, can do it. We, we if we could get two thousand in a weekend, I know we can reach five thousand. Yeah. So if uh, if this is something you care about, then I would encourage you to um, to share that with other people. Um, and finally, finally, let's just talk about the um, uh, the state of emergency and how it stacks up with other states. Before you go there, I just yeah. want to mention that there was um, the deputy speaker of the house, a Democrat in leadership. Um, Rep. Charlene Lima came out and she supported the position that we needed a concurrent resolution to end uh, emergency powers. She actually called it absurd what the governor had done. Wow. So that actually means you now have uh, bipartisan support in Public both chambers of bipartisan support, right, yeah. at, at leadership level. You right. As a, the minority whip and her as the majority deputy whip. So that's no, she's a, the deputy speaker. Excuse me, deputy speaker. Yeah. Okay. Don't demote her. I did not mean to <laughs> diminish her at all. She's very well accomplished. I'm, t- I'm teasing you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, hopefully there'll be more senators and representatives that join on to that because yeah. um, at least based on what what sounds like from what you're hearing, people want to get back to some sort of normalization and they don't want to see these democratic norms just eroded like we've been seeing. That's the, that's, that's the issue is, you know, in our press release that that the Senate Republicans put out, um, Senator Rogers was quoted, you know, this is like civics 101, Mm -hmm. you know, time to get back to, um, to some normalcy here in our government. Right. Civics 101, the legislature makes the laws, the executive branch enforces the laws. Exactly. And what we see is the executive branch now making the laws and enforcing the laws while the General Assembly 
stays home and mm-hmm. you know yeah all right well let's um let's move on to the uh the the uh, comparing to other yeah, states like yeah where, where does rhode, rhode island stack up are are all 50 states still in a state of emergency and you're the um you're the only one calling for uh, an end to this no there are 24 states that have that their emergency orders have expired and 26 states that remain active so it's almost like half when i was looking into this one. <laughs> yeah i i was checking out uh ballotpedia because they were kind of tracking this every monday they they update the website to see who's um uh which states have have uh, expired their state of emergency and which ones still have active ones mm-hmm. and one thing that struck me when i was looking at the map it's not like a republican or democrat issue you would think it was right but it's not yeah everyone would say all oh, the republicans don't want a state of emergency and democrats are trying to do the right thing but um the states that have active states of emergency are states like california which maybe mm-hmm. you wouldn't be surprised by and and now oh. rhode island but also texas so Texas, uh, you know, a very red state, but still has a state of emergency. Mm-hmm. And then there are other red and blue states that have expired their state of emergency. So Florida, okay, so that's a given. People mm-hmm. would expect that Florida has expired it. But then New York, New York State has um, has also expired their state of emergency. So it's interesting to see that, um, you know, it's not a political issue, or at least it shouldn't be. For you, you keep t- talking about how this is really a... Um, not political, but it's a, uh, but it's a governance issue right. that it comes down to good governance. So, um, well, any final thoughts on this uh, state of emergency, your petition, or how Rhode Island stacks up with other states? Well, I, if, in regards to the petition, if you um, if you feel the same way, if you feel that we need to um, in our legislature, I'm not saying that COVID is not dangerous and that we shouldn't be careful and we shouldn't take precautions. Um, I think sometimes people see that in the petition and they're like, oh, just want to, we don't, Republicans don't think COVID is real. Of course we think COVID is real. We know it. We've seen family members and friends suffer too. But what we're saying is the legislature should not be advocating its authority and the executive branch should not, um, which I feel is an, is an overreach. Um, we can work together. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. God bless you guys. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Today's closing quotation comes from Senator Gordon Rogers of Foster. He said, the first lesson is that the legislature has sole constitutional authority to enact the laws and the executive branch enforces the laws enacted. Governor McKee is trying to do the legislature's job and our job is to represent our constituents. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 